Ireland's Class Kids Radio. It's Trina Murray here and I'm delighted to have Dr. Kiva Hartley on the phone today. She is an expert in all things menopause, clinical lead at the Rotunda Hospital in the Menopause Clinic there and founder and CEO of Menopause Help. Um, very welcome, Kiva. My first time talking to you, I think. It's lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having yeah. me. I know you often speak to Niall Boylan. Um, I want to talk to you today about the myths around perimenopause and menopause. So when they say the myths around it, what do they mean? I think there's probably a lot of misinformation out there. And, you know, there's, there's good things that have happened in recent years. And there's maybe things that we need to correct for or adjust a little. So, you know, we've seen this increased conversation happen over the last few years in terms of menopause and perimenopause. Women are definitely talking about it more and getting more more educated that's all a huge positive but like anything I suppose now because of social media and all these you know different um, places where we get our information we're kind of vulnerable to getting misinformation so I think a lot of the myth busting is kind of you know is around that area and with perimenopause I think you can really dive in to say look you know there's myths around who can have HRT, who can't, who should, who shouldn't, what other medications or other interventions are out there that can be effective, should I have blood tests should I not? All of these questions, they crop up all of the time. So, uh, Dr. Kiva, when, when you think that you're starting perimenopause or menopause, is it an idea to, to say to your GP or do you just kind of plod along and, and, and continue on with life because it's such a natural thing to happen? It is a natural thing to happen. I mean, you know, if you live long enough, we're all going to go through hormonal changes, just another hormonal phase of our life. And there's nothing wrong about that. And we shouldn't over-medicalize it. It's not a disease process. What the take-home message should be is if you're having symptoms, if you're experiencing symptoms or an effect that are affecting your quality of life, then really what you should do is have a chat to your GP first, mm-hmm. if possible, mm-hmm. um, because they're the person who you know, generally knows you best. And you can sit down and hopefully take a bit of time to go through, look, these are the things that are affecting me. You know, they're affecting me in this way. They're affecting my quality of life in terms of my professional life, my home life or whatever it might be. And it's different from person to person. Like that's one of the challenges we find. Some women find it's all mood and emotional symptoms. It's depression or anxiety. It's their ability to enjoy things. But for others, it's physical. It's their loss of libido. It's energy. It's their change in sharpness. They don't feel as sharp cognitively their Mm. memory is affected hot flushes night sweats the vaginal symptoms like the list obviously goes on but it's highly individual so taking the time to go through that is really important but if it is affecting you it absolutely you know deserves a discussion with your GP yeah okay I actually have spoken to so many people at the school gates and like you say it's now becoming a conversation that women will have whereas before it was like as if everyone pretended that it wasn't happening to them so the the brain fog is something that comes up a lot at the school gates and people say um, you know when when it first started they, they thought they were getting that early onset dementia that brain fog is quite normal it's really normal yeah don't you love the school gates for like I'm you <laughs> I get all my material for this show at the school say, gates yeah. it's everyday life what people are talking about isn't it yeah well you know you're all kind of you're standing there you're all waiting together so it's a good place to actually information share a little bit but um, but absolutely so we would we you know the research would suggest that at least 80% if not more of women experience changes to their cognitive function and we collectively call that brain fog But really, when you kind of dive into the research, what women are usually talking about is a change in their verbal fluency. So their ability to find the right word or someone's name at the right time, that feeling of like, it's on the tip of my tongue, I just can't pull the word out of my brain. And the other thing that's commonly affected is your short-term memory or integrating new information. So learning new tasks and, you know, remembering the thing you were told this morning, not the thing that happened 10 years ago. 
And the knock-on effect of that, like on its own, it's a distressing symptom because a lot of women come in telling us, like, I feel like I'm developing dementia, which is a really distressing way to feel. Mm. But for a lot, it's actually the impact on their confidence. They're in work, they have to speak in front of people or they're out and about meeting people and they have this kind of almost like a social anxiety about I'm not going to be able to remember that person's name or I'll get stuck for the word when I'm talking to someone or they're trying to cover themselves a lot with, you know, making constant lists. If it's not in my phone, it doesn't exist, that kind of thing. And so really it impacts people's confidence when they're kind of at their highest functioning part of their life. They're juggling often home life and work life and all these different things. So it's really impactful. And a lot of women are actually at their most symptomatic, not when their periods have stopped, which is kind of when we really think about menopause, but actually the year or two beforehand. So cognition in particular seems to peak the year or two before your period stops. And the one thing that we find really reassuring to tell women is that most of the studies in the States that have looked at this would suggest that it's a transient symptom. It's not something that just gets inevitably worse. It also doesn't seem to be related to aging. So it's not that your brain is damaged or aging. It's it's trying to cope with a new hormonal situation that it finds itself in and that over time it adapts to that and it gets better. Okay. What is the average age then when we can start expecting the, the perimenopause or menopause to kick in? So again, like anything, I suppose a lot of individuality. We know that the average age to stop having periods in Ireland is somewhere around 50, 51. And perimenopause probably happens, we start to see this hormonal change from maybe your mid-40s. So when we say perimenopause, these are women who are still having periods. They may be regular, they may not be regular, but they're symptomatic. And they're symptomatic because their hormones, instead of being you know, within a normal range, fluctuating, sort of bobbing up and down like they would have done previously, their hormones are now fluctuating with you know in a much greater range so higher peaks of estrogen and then a much bigger drop um so much more fluctuations it can change month to month that's the other really disconcerting thing you can have a couple of months where you feel dreadful and typically women report feeling it's like pms but worse just worsening of these pms type symptoms okay and then they get better for a few months often and so they start to doubt themselves yeah so technically you could actually get pregnant during that time If you are still having periods, you are absolutely at risk of pregnancy, yeah. And so we would say for a woman under 50, you need to go two years without having a period for no other reason. Like, obviously, you're not on the pill or something like that. You know, if if you have no periods under the age of 50 for two years consecutively, then we would think your risk of pregnancy is reduced. For women over 50, you're really not kind of out of that risk of pregnancy until you've gone a full year with no period. Yeah, I'd say there must be women who've gotten that shock. Oh, I'm sure it happens. Yeah. Like these things happen, you know, <laughs> and, and fertility, you know, it waxes and wanes and all the rest. And obviously for fertility, we know declines with age. Um, but like, you know, people can get caught, caught out. And a lot of that is it's down to education. Like that's the clinical responsibility of of doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals in this country is to make sure that we're giving the right information, arming women with the right information. Mm-hmm. So if you're still having periods, if you're still menstruating, you are at risk of pregnancy. That's a, a good probably take-home message <laughs> for anyone who's worried about it. Actually, the risk of having twins or triplets goes up with age as well. Stop it. Does it? Mm-hmm. How come? Um, I think it's probably part of your body's way of you know, kind of preserving its reproductive ability as you get older. So your ovaries actually are under a bit more stimulation throughout perimenopause. It's one of the reasons we see these peaks of estrogen happening. But with that, with that extra stimulation, you sometimes ovulate more than once in one cycle. 
Oh my God, you can really imagine? Two, two little oocytes at the same time. Yeah. Triplets at 50, you'd have and a heart attack. Stranger things can happen, you need to prepare yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, you mentioned there about HRT. So there's HRT, but there's also non-HRT treatments available for people. Can you give us one, an idea of what that might be? Okay, so hormone therapy um, or HRT, we actually, we should probably start renaming it because it's not really replacing anything. When you're in, peri- if we're using it for someone who is perimenopausal, what we're trying to do is not give them a hormone they don't have. We're trying to settle down the hormones that they have. So you're trying to achieve a bit more stability and reduce down these kind of big fluctuations that are happening. Whereas in a woman who is postmenopausal and she stopped having periods, we are probably giving her back to some degree, you know, um, estrogen in particular, that's the kind of backbone of your HRT to try and alleviate her symptoms and reduce her risk of bone density loss. So there's loads of different types and, you know, formulations of hormone therapy out there. But in a nutshell, it's estrogen, which makes, you know, women feel better. It takes away your symptoms. Um, And that's either given as a tablet or ideally it's a bit safer if we can to give it through the skin. So people might be familiar with things like the patches. There's a gel, there's a spray. And if you still have a womb, the problem is that oestrogen will cause some thickening in the lining of the womb. And that ultimately can be a risk factor for developing some abnormal cells in your womb or womb cancer. So we give a second hormone called progestin alongside your oestrogen, unless you've had a hysterectomy, so if you still have a womb. And that's combination HRT. And then there's non-hormonal medications, as you've mentioned. And there's a kind of list of them. We sometimes use antidepressants. There's a bladder medication. There's a blood pressure medication. There's a few other medications. And they're quite good at reducing down the frequency of hot flushes and night sweats. Some of them can improve sleep. They may have an impact on mood and anxiety if they're an issue that someone is experiencing too. So it's really tailored to the person who's sitting in front of you. So when patients would come to see you then, Dr. Kiva, there at the uh, the Rotunda Hospital at the menopause clinic, would they have been referred by their GP to see you? Yeah, that's right. So, you can, you know, we, we take GP referrals. So your GP can do an electronic referral on their computer system and send you in to see us. That's actually where I am today. And I've snuck out for a minute just to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. so hiding in nurses. <laughs> She's going to be grabbed now in a second by somebody. Yeah. Um, and it's a, like, well, I have a wonderful team here and it's a really nice clinic that we run. And we see a lot of complex patients. So a lot of the patients who maybe can't or don't want to take hormone therapy or have symptoms that are harder to manage or have medical conditions that mean they're a little bit more complicated, they come in and see us here. Um, And and it's your GP who makes that referral. Isn't it great that there's so many resources now and uh, there are services like this that you can go into. So look, we'll let you get back to it. You're going to be grabbed there by the staff (laughs) who are looking for you to get back to your patients. Um, (laughs) Thanks so much for your time, Dr. Kiva Hartley there. You're very welcome. Cheers. It's Ireland's Classic Radio.